Believe in yourself, cause it starts with you, and then everyone else will believe you too. And if it looks like you're the only believer around, just keep on believing, don't put yourself Our guest this week grew up in Shahabab, India, and in 1993 came to America with $40 in his pocket and earned a master's degree in mechanical engineering from Oklahoma State University. Since 1999, he's held various leadership roles with Magna International. And in January of 2021, he was named the CEO of Magna, which is a Canadian mobility technology company for automakers and is the largest automotive parts manufacturer in North America by sales of original equipment parts. His name, Swami Kodagiri. And I'm Jack Rasula, and this is Anything is Possible, a News Talk 760 WJR. I'm Jack Rasula, this is Anything is Possible, and we're talking to the CEO of Magna International, Swami Kodagiri. Swami, welcome, an honor to have you. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I like the the tagline that you have, everything is possible. So it's true. All right. Speaking of everything is possible, you grew up in a little town in India. Tell us about India and its 1.3 billion people. India is the, my heritage. That's where I was born. That's where I grew up. And I am sure I carry a bit of the DNA uh, that I'm able to bring forward. Uh, a lot of heritage, uh, like everything in life, uh, there's always pros and cons. I always look at what's positive and, you know, how we can take it forward. I've been blessed uh, to be born in a large family and we are all still very connected. That makes it a huge support system for me. Everything that I have, I owe to my family, my community, and all the mentors and all the people who have helped me throughout my life. Speaking of family, I, I'm always impressed with the, within the in Indian community, the family unit is very strong and also the importance of education, very strong. Why so? My father was, uh, uh, came, actually our family came from agricultural uh, roots. My Dad was one of the pioneers, I would say, who decided he wanted to expand his horizons and went and joined the Indian Army, and he was there for 20 years. And he retired from there and started working um, in a very well-known industry in India, Associated Cement Companies. This was part of the Tata family. And he did that mainly because he felt he wanted his children to have the exposure to uh, a wider section uh, of, uh, you know, talent, culture, and so on. As you know, India is a very, uh, uh, has a lot of cultures that come together. If you go to North India versus South India, to the East and the West. And we were actually in a colony, right? Uh, what we mean by that is an industrial complex where people from all over India came. So the languages were there. This was one place where we celebrated every festival you can think of, whether it was Christmas or Ramadan or either North Indian festivals or the South Indian festivals. 
So it was truly a multicultural uh, mix. And he felt it was necessary uh, for the children to have that broad spectrum. And part of it was uh, the education. Like you said, uh, I grew up and went to a, a missionary school, actually, uh, from first to 10th grade. And I still have my classmates who are very much in touch with me. Um, you know, there is a lot of uh, competition, like you said, 1.3 billion people, right? And it's a growing economy. Things change every day. And, you know, education is one of that uh, edge that you need to have. Uh, and to be good at that with the competition that you have, you really need to be good. Um, so I think for the family to get to the next step, at least the way I grew up, and I think it's largely true, is how do we help each other as a system? Because I, I don't think it's possible for anybody to succeed on their own if you don't have that support system. And I think that's inherent in the Indian community. Speaking of education, let's go back to January 1993. You come from India to Stillwater, Oklahoma, uh, to attend Oklahoma State University. Why? Why Stillwater? <laughs> I was an aspiring student looking for opportunities. And, uh, you know, whenever you need to make a quantum leap, you have to take some risks. And my way of doing that was trying to reach out to various professors and Dr. Eric Price, who was the then Dean of Mechanical Engineering Department in Oklahoma State University, reached out uh, or replied to me. And he gave me an offer I couldn't refuse. He said, look, if you come and do well in the first semester in the courses I ask you to take, uh, you know, you have a good chance of getting a scholarship. And that was an opportunity I couldn't let go. And he was at that time, I believe, if my memory serves me right, uh, was on the tech advisory committee of sorts to the then president, Bill Clinton. And he was doing some really interesting work on materials and, and so on and so forth. So it caught my fancy, and, uh, and there I was. I actually came to Dallas, uh, took a flight from Dallas to Oklahoma City, and just to uh, add some spice to life, there was a uh, ice storm at that point of time, and the person who was supposed to pick me up uh, uh, to take me from Oklahoma City to Stillwater couldn't make it. Uh, so I ended up spending a little bit of the money that I had in taking or sharing a taxi uh, to get from Oklahoma City to Stillwater. I think you had 140 bucks and you gave the taxi cab driver 100. So you were left with 40 bucks. And almost 30 years that's later, a, the, two most, the two <laughs> most knowledgeable and successful people in Michigan from Oklahoma State University are probably Barry Sanders and Swami Kodagiri. So you get that degree from Oklahoma State and you join General Motors in 1995. You were there for four years. Tell us about that chapter of your life, Swami. Uh, I, I came to uh, uh, Dayton to live with a friend at, at that point of time. And obviously, uh, Detroit was the hub for the automotive industry. And I started applying and I worked at General Motors through a contracting firm actually called Lexel Engineering. Mm. Um, and, you know, my background was mechanical engineering, had a good, uh, you know, foundation in mathematics. 
And I had the opportunity to learn uh, simulations uh, in the automotive world. They call it the finite element analysis. Uh, so that's kind of how I started. And, you know, I got the opportunity to work in that field in General Motors in, uh, on the truck platform. Uh, that's how I ended up there. And that was the start of my career. And it was very kind of you to put me in the same uh, pedestal as Barry Sanders. Oh, my God, who knew? Uh, and I'm sure Oklahoma State has a lot more luminaries than just me. We're talking to Swami Kodagiri. I've seen the man golf, and as good as Barry Sanders was in football, Swami's even better in golf. And I'm Jack Pasula, and this is Anything is Possible on News Talk 760 WJR. Welcome back to Anything is Possible. I'm Jack Pasula. We're with Swami Kodagiri. Swami, in 1999, you decide to join Magna International, which was started 60 years ago by a bigger-than-life man, Frank Stronic. First, tell us about Frank Stronic. Phenomenal entrepreneur and a visionary, I think is the short description, right? I mean, is 80 plus years, right? And he's still as active and as sharp as he was, I think, before. Um, I had a book left on my table as I took this job on with his handwritten note of congratulations and his cell phone number if I ever wanted to reach him. Wow. Uh, I, I think the culture and some of the foundational principles that he envisioned for the company uh, are really very healthy and alive today, and that's what keeps us going. The spirit of decentralization, the spirit of entrepreneurial, uh, you know, thinking. Uh, every employee is a owner. The really um, out of the box compensation system, where the management actually uh, shares the profitability rather than just a, a fixed number. They, I could go on forever. And this, I attribute a lot to how he started. And, you know, if he did not have the long-term vision, the principles wouldn't be relevant, right? And the way he thought through, uh, and his, I, I think that's where it shines. They're still very relevant today and actually more relevant today than ever before. And that's what keeps us agile. Very multi-threaded man, Frank Stronach. He had a passion, a disease a love for the ponies, horse racing. Uh, do you share his passion for the ponies, Swami? Uh, ponies in the car, maybe. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm not as fortunate to know as much about ponies, but uh, I, I give a lot of credit and look. Uh, a lot of us look forward or look up to him, I should say, in the passion that he has had for the company. And if you talk to him today, I think the passion still shows and reflects in uh, how he talks about various things in life, including Magna. So that's something we, we try to emulate. Uh, the late, great J.P. McCarthy used to say, never own anything that eats while you sleep. <laughs> so, yeah. all right. Tell us about Magna International and its 170,000 people. Jack, I think uh, the, the segment that you have might not be enough if you let me talk through, but... Uh, uh, I think you 
kind of talked about or mentioned in your intro statement, it's truly a, a mobility technology company. And we don't take that lightly. What we mean by that is the breadth that we have in addressing uh, the transportation industry today. We make powertrains to ADAS systems, to seats, to uh, structures that make the vehicles. We actually make the entire vehicles. We engineer and uh, manufacture them for our OEM customers. And with the transformative times where people are looking at moving uh, goods and people from point A to B in the most efficient way, in the safest way possible, and the transformation that's happening because of the, you know, the climate change debate and uh, the demographic change in the buying habits of the people. We are really in a transformative times. And if you look at what Magnet does today and what it has as a foundation, I mean, we are, I would still like to consider, and I've said this often, we are a startup. We are just a small $40 billion company in a $3 trillion industry. So very excited to have my role and to be part of such a fantastic company. Swami says he's a $40 billion startup. He also has said, and I quote, I'm an engineer at heart. Swami, you are an engineer at heart, but also you have a huge heart for people as well. So, all right, 29 countries, 342 manufacturing operations, 58 of them in Michigan, 24,000 people in Michigan. You've talked about your company culture. And from 2014 to 2020, you were the chief technology officer. So let's talk about technology. First, what's your portfolio of offerings? Uh, Jack, I think our portfolio of operations uh, or uh, products, I would say, touch various aspects of the vehicle. As I mentioned before, we have a very broad spectrum. We do uh, powertrain systems, whether it's all-wheel drive, four-wheel drive, or transmissions. Uh, we do ADAS, the complete ADAS suite, all the way from supplying components to the full system. We do seats. Uh, we do body structures and chassis structures, all the way from a small component to entire systems like the closures, the full body. Uh, we look at uh, mechatronics, we look at lighting, we look at inside and outside mirrors. Uh, and I think to top it all, like I said, the one differentiator in the domain that we are in is for is our ability to uh, engineer and manufacture full vehicles, right? Whether it's for the new entrants, whether it's for our existing OEMs. So it's a very broad, unique uh, uh, portfolio that we have in terms of capabilities. And we are able to address all the uh, important trends that the industry is talking about, right? Whether it be electrification, whether it be autonomy at different levels, and new business models where people are looking at transportation as a service rather than, you know, ownership model. We can play a role in all of that uh, as we go through this. And, you know, more importantly, I think, uh, if you look at the breadth of the portfolio and how we are going through it, we have also had the culture of looking at technology outside. Uh, we call it, you know, open for business mindset. Right? So we work with startups, we work with universities, 
it's a very symbiotic relationship to say, hey, you bring the ideas, you ha have the agility, we bring the industry knowledge, we can scale, we can help each other. So it's a very collaborative, cooperative approach to uh, address the uh, changes that are happening in the industry. Um, so that's kind of in a nutshell of how we are looking at it. Uh, mix of culture, uh, our ability to be agile, our ability to work with others, and a very good foundation that we have. All right. You mentioned electrification. Talk to us about electrification. Electrification is uh, automotive industries. Uh, answer to climate change or the industry doing our little bit to address the issue, right? We are trying to make the planet sustainable for the future, uh, you know, air quality better. And our answer to that is how do we, you know, address tailpipe emissions and look at the upstream and downstream and the value chain to, uh, you know, do our role as a corporate good citizen. Uh, if you look at electrification, what we're talking about today is how to address that tailpipe emissions, make it zero, improve air quality, and so on. Our answer to that is e-drive systems. Um, you know, if if the propulsion systems go from being powered by, you know, gasoline, as we know today, to coming from a battery, or it could come from hydrogen, whatever be the power source, how do we take that power and get it to the wheels, right? And very high level, that's what we are all trying to do. And we are very excited about it. And most of the product portfolio that we talked about, we are not just broad, we are also leaders. If not the leaders, we are in the top three in most of the product portfolio that we have. With that depth and with that knowledge, with our systems that we have, whether it's the hybrid transmissions, whether it is our full e-drive systems um, and our connected powertrains, we're really you know, just at the starting point, uh, you know, ready to take off. Swami says that electrification is the automotive sector to climate change and climate control. It's also the answer to the gas prices that we have today. So, all right, that's another topic. So um, I'm Jack Basula. This is Anything is Possible on News Talk 760 WJR. This is Anything is Possible. I'm your host, Jack Prasula, or it's Swani Kodagiri, the CEO of Magna International. If you want to learn more, www.magna.com. Next topic, autonomous mobility. What does that mean? Autonomous mobility means, in my mind, there, there is two parts of it. One is the assisted driving and one is full autonomy. When I say assisted driving, it is to make your driving experience more convenient, more enjoyable and safe. Whether it's the lane keep or the blind spot detection, or if you're on a highway, uh, you have the um, highway chauffeur assist, you have the valet parking, all of these functionalities that uh, are available in some of the vehicles and we believe will be available in most of the vehicles in the coming uh, near future, I would term it as assisted driving, right? But the autonomous driving is really where you're completely hands-off, 
don't need to um, have your focus and don't need to take over uh, the driving uh, from the machine, as you would call it. Uh, that is some some ways away, right? The tech is moving uh, very fast and in the right direction. Uh, if you do not have you know, the all conditions that need to be addressed. What I mean by that, if you're in a community, if you're in a geofenced area uh, where there are controllable conditions, that's possible today and it's coming sooner. But if you're looking at autonomous driving uh, in all aspects, under all conditions, everywhere, I think it, it's some ways away, right? Uh, and that I think will transform completely how we think about moving from point A to point B. And that's a really exciting tech, really exciting avenues for new business opportunities that are coming. I always, again, being an engineer at heart and an optimist, uh, all my assumptions uh, or uh, predictions are based on the tech as we know today. And if that tech changes faster than, and it usually does change faster than what we can imagine, uh, it could come faster. Speaking of transformations, uh, we don't see what's going on in your manufacturing plants. Talk about artificial intelligence, the use of robots. What's happening there, Swami? Oh, phenomenal change. There is a lot of discussion on digitization, um, you know, and the, uh, the communications going from 4G to 5G and so on. Even in the manufacturing world, there is a huge transformation happening as we speak, and that is enabled by all the other tech that's happening. I'll give you a story. We, we once looked at a robot that does surgery uh, in one of the universities, and we said, oh, man, if a robot can do a surgery, I, I definitely can pick and place parts. Uh, it's not as simple as that, obviously, because I think the surgery can take its time. Uh, the economics that goes behind the robotics in that is not as important. But when you're doing that in a factory, the speed, the robustness, the reliability is important, but equally important is the economics, right? Uh, so we took that problem and you know addressed it with some of the tech that was being used elsewhere. So that's just one example. I think kind of tells that we should be aware of what the technology changes uh, are that are happening elsewhere and how we can apply it. We have uh, some instances of robots working with humans, no fences, no light curtains. That's a quantum step in the right direction, I believe, right? And warehouses are really talking about lights out, completely autonomous, being able to do everything else. So we take bits and pieces of all of this that are happening elsewhere and bring it to the factory. There is optics, there is perception, there is... Uh, a lot of fundamental technology building blocks that can be brought. For example, the software uh, and the sensors that are in ADAS can be used for measurement of quality, measurement of uh, moving goods within the factory. So there is a lot of cross-pollination of technologies. And, you know, there's no way to explain this in words unless you live it and go visit a factory. And Jack, if ever you are interested in visiting one, let us know. We'll take you. Thank you. If you want to learn more, www.magna.com. You mentioned, Swami, in a previous segment that Magna's always open to looking at partnerships where it's a win-win. What do you look for 
and how do you vet a potential partnership? Jack, I think uh, one of my biggest uh, philosophies is you, you should know how to ask the right question. Uh, that means you have to frame the problem. If you frame the problem correctly, the why you know the world really opens up of how you can solve that problem, right? So that's how we try to do it when we go to universities or research institutions or to the startup ecosystem, we say, hey, here is a problem that we have, whether it's in manufacturing or a product or maybe describe it or paint a picture how good the world could be if we could solve this problem. And when we get the ideas, we sit back and work with them to say, that's a fantastic idea. Here is how we need to scale, how we need to productionize, uh, how we need to get the spec. So a little bit of the program management and the engineering discipline and to the financial discipline and get to understand the magnitude of the total addressable market. All of these things we bring together and we tie ourselves to them. We, what we mean by that to say is we invest in different models uh, so that their success is what gives us the upside. And so that's how we are both aligned to say, if you succeed, we succeed and vice versa. That's been the fundamental principle in our collaborative model. All right, let's talk about a couple of the partnerships. 2018, you partner with Lyft. Yes. What did you do there together? Uh, a few things. I think Lyft, uh, is trying to address the market of mobility as a service, not just ownership. Uh, if you want to get from point A to point B, how effectively and efficiently can I do it without owning a vehicle? It was looking looking at a asset-like model, you know, using the people who have the vehicles and how they could uh, use that for a revenue stream. They were also looking at as one of their problem statements to say if autonomy comes, their business model changes. So if we sit back and look at it, what are the aspects of that that we could use in our business? If there are algorithms, if there is software stack, if there are elements of the sensors that could be used in the driver assist function, we could you know, leverage, we could get economies, uh, efficiency of capital. So that was a thought process as we went through it. And on the other hand, we could go to them with a value of how a car functions, what should we look at when we develop some of these things so we, you know, we don't have a, a pothole somewhere in the development roadmap. So it was, again, very symbiotic, and, and we do that. Um, so that, that was kind of our thinking when we worked with Lyft. Could you highlight one other partnership, if you would? Uh, a couple of them, we looked at, uh, you know, we talk about a digital radar. Um, Under is a small company. We started having an idea to say, we believe the radar technology was analog. It could become digital and it could be a quantum step in the industry. But we felt the best way to do that, to get the best talent uh, and to make the broader market accessible so that it can take, get traction. Uh, we worked with a bunch of really intelligent people to say, Magna is going to back it. Why don't you start the idea? We'll bring the scale and the industry knowledge to it. You bring the knowledge from the semiconductor chip side of things and create a really startup model. Uh, and in 2022, this 
uh, product is going to be on vehicle. And we're really excited to see that. And there's so many other customers that are talking to us. So this model helped a bunch of entrepreneurs work like a startup, but had the backing of a huge company like Magna. They did not have to go through uh, the iterative process of trying to develop something, figure out it was not right, have to do it again. So we had a really good roadmap for them of what the industry is looking for. That's a really good example of how we were able to bring forward uh, the collaborative model that I talked about. We're talking to Swami Kodagiri, who came to America in 1993 with $40 in his pocket. And today is the CEO of a $40 billion startup, Magna International. And I'm Jack Rasula, and this is Anything is Possible on News Talk 760 WJR. Jack Rizzula, host of WJR's Anything is Possible, the weekly radio visit, brings his 15 years of inspirational storytelling to hardcover. With God, anything is possible. of Jack's more than 750 tales of defeating odds and achieving the extraordinary. Like Bob Woodruff, whose job covering the war in Iraq nearly cost him his life. And Nick Vujicic, the limbless evangelist who has stunned millions with his message of acceptance and grace. With God, anything is possible. Order now while signed copies are still available at trustinusllc.square.site. That's trustinusllc.square.site. And as Jack says, Make it a great week because with God, anything is possible. Spohol. Anything is possible. I'm Jack Rasula. This is Anything is Possible. And we're talking to Swami Kodagiri, who on January 4th, 2021, became the CEO the new Frank Stronach of Magna International. Um, one of the first things you had to address was this ongoing COVID. How did Magna handle that? You were in charge of that when it first hit almost two years ago. Please. Yes, uh, my predecessor, Don Walker, who is also a friend and a mentor uh, in 2020, I, I was having the role of the president of Magna International at that point of time and the black swan of COVID hit us. And, you know, true to our culture, we got the senior leadership together and Don was nice enough uh, to ask me to lead that. And as I was leading, you know, through this, it was just uh, a lot of credit goes to the senior management team. We got together and said, here is all the issues that we have. What are the different work streams that we should look at? You know, whether it was, uh, shutting down plants in China, uh, you know, building uh, PPEs, you know, just not for ours, us, but for the community around us. How do we prepare, for example, the masks when we start reopening? And when China came back online, Europe was going down. And what did we learn from China that we can apply so we can be more efficient, more understanding of what the workforce was going through? How do we keep them uh, you know, safe, most importantly, but at the same time, the communication to let them know how we're dealing with on an everyday basis so they feel secure that they're being taken care of. We as a company, as an enterprise, 
was working through it. To me, it was a great learning experience to see the spirit of Magna come together. Uh, I couldn't have asked for anything. It looks morbid maybe when I look back at it, but you know what I learned about people and the strength of the company, uh, I think there could have been no other way. What's, what are the long-term transformational issues brought on because of the COVID pandemic? A few things. I think uh, it had its uh, impact on the supply chain that we are seeing right now, uh, for sure, right? As the industry uh, came to a halt, um, how we forecasted or, you know, how the semiconductor industry thought we were going to come back or how fast we were going to come back kind of led to the allocation issues and, you know, put us on a hole. We are still catching up. That is one thing. Second part of it is just understanding the complexity of the supply chain and what should we do uh, when something like a COVID disrupts us uh, across the globe, right? The third part of it is working from home or uh, remote work versus being at work. That's, I think, a a shift in the mindset uh, in many ways. Uh, If you had asked me whether we could run a $40 billion company virtually, to be very honest, I would have said no. Uh, but we know that's possible. Is it efficient? Maybe not. But there are certain aspects of the work life that could be uh, more efficiently done and done differently. So there is a lot of uh, societal, there is a lot of industrial aspects, I think, that are emerging of what we have all gone through. Uh, And I think some of the people miss the social interaction. So I think there is a hybrid that's going to come out of this. remains to be seen how it looks and how efficient it will be. So those are some of the things, Jack, that will come that come to my mind, you know, uh, at a cursory look. What are your priorities as we embark on 2022? I think we've laid out our strategy, the long-term strategy. I always like to put something on a piece of paper, uh, whether it's personal life or whether it's a company or everything you do, uh, kind of helps you prioritize. So what you do is it, hitting one of the top priorities that you have. From a Magna perspective, uh, people and the culture, how do we keep and preserve what we have that is unique? Uh, And that's the reason why we stand out. Uh, From a product and a financial balance sheet perspective, we are looking at how we take advantage of the transformative times. So allocating, accelerating capital on the megatrend areas, whether it's electrification or ADAS or mobility as a service models, Uh, our DNA has been operational excellence. So we continue to get to the next step. You mentioned automation, digitization, industry 4.0. So those are levers that will take us to the next step. And how do we leverage what we have as a unique selling proposition? We can design full vehicles. We can provide a wide variety of large systems. uh, And we can contract vehicle manufacture, right? If there are new entrants, new startups, how can we help? I think To sum it all up, uh, I think our tagline says it all. We say forward for all. And the vision for us is advancing mobility for everyone and everything. So that's the priority. In 2018, the Trump administration renegotiated NAFTA. They call it now USMCA. Um, How has that changed Magna, if at all? Uh, we, as you mentioned in your introduction, we have a footprint globally, and obviously we have a 
a significant footprint in Mexico, US, and Canada. But I think over time, it, it has taken a different name. Uh, we were actively participating in the discussion even at that point of time, both in US and on the Canadian side. Uh, I think from an industry perspective, the pragmatism of what is needed to run the business has prevailed. Uh, it has maybe changed uh, the terminology and the definitions a little bit. Uh, we went through some, call it, uh, times where we were in tough discussions, but I think overall the industry came together uh, and, and we are on a very pro pragmatic approach. As our time winds down together this evening, Swami, what advice do you give to our young listeners? Please. Uh, take the chance. Don't be afraid. Uh, I always use the analogy in the company every time. Uh, how do you know you're pushing the limit? If you're a runner or an athlete, if you have a bruise and a sprain once in a while, you know you push the limit. Just make sure you don't kill yourself so you live for another day. And if you got $40 in your pocket, leave India and come to America. Swami. America is a dream to have, so absolutely. And America is better because you came to America in 1993. Keep up the great, great work. Thank you, Jack. My pleasure. Please join us next Saturday. Until then, I'm Jack Krasula. Thanks for listening and make it a great week because with God, anything is possible. Spahal. Believe in yourself.